1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. This is the podcast of podcasts. If you are trying to get a recipe for bunt cake, You are on the wrong (laughs) podcast. And if you are trying to find out how to get the most advantage out of selling your home, you're on the wrong podcast. However, if you are looking for insights to Bay Area sports and you're looking for it in a unique way, guess what? You just put your game face on. I am Richard the Razor Ewing. This is Game Face. I do this every week with my main man, Mike the Shoe Schumann. And today we got a special guest. We have the great Ben Parker from Rivals.com. And this guy is amazing. I bumped into him before. We, we talked about the possibility of linking up thing, and I, and I worked hard to try to get him here. He's here now. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, I'm telling you something, it's it's a pleasure to have you here. And I tell you something, Mike is itching with anticipation. He can't wait to start with the questions for you. But I'm gonna butt in to ask you a question first. (laughs) Well, before you get
0: started though, Richard,
1: bunt bun cake. (laughs) (laughs) Is there really a podcast on how to make bun cake? Hey man, hey, you said it yourself. There's thousands of of, of podcasts. There are. There probably is. I don't know. All right. (laughs) <laughs> Alright, NBA and college hoops uh,
0: on deck. Why don't you start us off with Ben?
1: Well, Young
0: then,
1: ben. <laughs> Well, this is the thing. I, I had a, a question for Ben because Ben covers college hoops and particularly Cal uh, basketball. Now, Cal right, and we know that recently, um, you know, the the sports world has been hit very hard with COVID-19 and how it's, it's really just affected all of us. Doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing. So I want to ask Ben, because you basically have insight in Cal basketball. And so the reason why it was nice to be here to get you on is that we we want to get your insights on exactly what you're seeing and what you're hearing from some of the players, uh, some of the coaches, uh, just an insight on how this is affecting one particular team that's having to deal with COVID-19.
2: Yeah. So um, what I can tell you from, from the Cal side, from the Cal hoop side, from what I know is number one is, you know, they're following all the necessary precautions that they're supposed to be doing with the virus and everything. Um, And players are able to, to practice, um, which is, which is good for them. Um, But what was interesting was um, the fact that I learned that at least one player upon arriving, because they have a lot of different, the thing about this current Cal team is they got guys kind of from all over the globe. So they got to, one guy from Canada, a uh, couple guys from Australia, at least one guy from Australia, a uh, guy from Germany, Greece. It was a very international team. Mm. And um, one of the players, I won't say who it was, one guy who's international uh, had quarantine upon arriving in campus. So, you know, um, <clears throat> it's just kind of made things kind of interesting for the team in that respect. And, you know, I think at least for Cal, I think what is, you know, interesting for them is is they have a lot of new pieces this year. Mm. Um, they added two grad transfers and, uh, the California Ryan Bentley and overall pretty young team uh, that's, you know, looking to kind of make some waves and kind of hopefully go up the Pac-12 standing. So, you know, I think from a mental standpoint, it's hard to kind of like keep yourself calibrated as a team when you're not sure if you're going to have a season, when it's going to start, and you have a lot of pieces that you want to integrate and you have to follow these kind of procedures about quarantining and getting guys coming in from different parts of the globe so it's been an interesting impact on the team thus far
0: I think too and we're seeing it at the pro level the bubble with the NBA is working and in National Hockey League and for team sports I had real question marks about it we're seeing it in baseball which kind of out of control football at not at the college level although three of the major conferences still are refusing to back down or are going to play Pac-12 did not though but in basketball um, It feels like maybe because there's a smaller group of guys, they could control their players, even though they're on a college campus, a little easier than they could football or any other team sport. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, no, I would. And that's the reason why I'm hopeful, cautiously optimistic, very cautiously optimistic that they can maybe work something out with basketball just because you have only, what, 15 guys on a team max, 13 scholarship players, you know? Um, and I think you're right, Mike, that the fact that there's fewer players makes it a lot easier to control guys um, and have that control environment as in football. As you know, there's like 75 to 100 guys on the college team. It's impossible like, to control that. So I think you're right that having fewer players, I think, makes it easier for basketball to, to navigate this. Um, and then also, too, in terms of cohesion, you know, if you're losing like maybe one or two guys, due, you know, due, due to a quarantine for a week versus football, it'd be like, you know, seven, eight, nine guys, whatever, having a quarantine. So, um, yeah, no, I think you're right that um, the basketball, there's a lot more hope that, you know, they could maybe work something out. All right, quick follow-up. Um,
0: you're seeing already, I think it was North Carolina, the students were back on campus. They are already at a party, no mask, and they had to shut down basically for the freshmen. They're going back to virtual. And another reason with a smaller group of guys, you got 15 guys, you can kind of police each other. Hey, dude, you can't go out to this party. You can't go pledge this fraternity Mm -hmm. tonight. we got to stay together, stay here, stay in the bubble, and I think they'll have a little better – I mean, what's your feeling about players coming back on campus, you know, to play a collegiate sport?
2: You mean in terms of – like, well, there's
0: some the risk, uh, you know, the the to the effort to you know get, stay uh, COVID free, everything that's involved with coming back, because you know if students aren't coming back and doing virtual, you know these athletes are going to be the only ones on campus. So right. To speak.
2: Right. Look, I I personally think that the NBA and granted it's different with the NBA because you got professional basketball players there, and that's their job and their livelihood, and they don't have to worry about taking classes and all that. So it's easier for them to bubble away and do what they've done. Um, But I I really do feel like, um, you know, there's a lot that college teams can learn from, right? If you keep your guys isolated away from each other. um, And obviously, you know, if you have no fans in the arena um, and you really, I think if teams are willing, I think the big thing is getting teams to, to be committed and schools being committed to taking the virus seriously. And I do think you're right that if guys police each other, and guys are serious about this. There is a there is a, a way to, to navigate to navigate this, uh, but it's just a matter of commitment and taking it seriously. But one thing I can tell you um, is, I mean, a lot of college basketball players last year were really disappointed to not be able to compete in the NCAA tournament. I know Cal was disappointed to have the Pac-12 tournament cut short after they beat Stanford. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think a lot of teams. I think a lot of guys. I like, don't want to have to like go through that again. <laughs> I think guys are okay to start in January and have a postponed, maybe delayed season. Um, And one interesting note on that, at Pac-12 Media Day last year, Commissioner Larry Scott floated out the possibility of a one-semester college basketball season. So I don't think that, you know, the fact that that's even been something that they've discussed, uh, I think means that, you know, for at least this season, having a season starting in January with proper precautions could work um, and you know, and I, I, other thing, last thing I'll say too, is I think one thing that can definitely be done, they've, they discussions of this is, is there's no reason why you couldn't have a bubble type of tournament kind of environment. Right. So I think the biggest hurdle for college basketball is figuring out how to get the regular season completed, even if it is just conference games, because I think if they, if they can figure that part out, you know, an incident of a tournament should, should be able to happen, uh, following the NBA's model.
0: But, and there's no strip clubs in Berkeley, so it'll be easier to keep the guys in. That's very true. Yeah. No, okay. I knew you
1: would know that. Okay, but, but this is the thing, though. When when it comes down to it, you look at the fact that, um, to your point, Ben, because you're talking about the fact that, you know, Cal did beat Stanford last year, and so they had the chance to be able to do something this season. So doesn't it seem more probable? I mean, if I'm a head coach and I got my guys and – we understand disappointment, we understand COVID, we understand everything that's happening, how this is affecting everybody as a whole. Isn't it more probable as a coach that to to put into the brain cells of these young men that, hey, look, you know what? Staying focused, staying committed, regardless of when this season starts, is going to be more of an advantage to you based on, one, you know, what's causing your motivation. Okay, and what is that? What happened last season? What's causing your motivation this year? Well, obviously not being able to do the normal. So if you can keep these men primed as they're supposed to be, when it's time to lace them up and put the ball on the court, okay? I I think that, to me, has a lot more, you know, uh, uh, fuel in the engine to to basically inspire these guys. And when they do get on the court, they know, hey, look, it's time to play ball, okay? And to to me, this just kind of seems like where the coaches – really need to be, I guess you could say, the, the catalyst in this. A- am I right about this? Did this sound, you know, relative or?
2: No, you're right. The, you know, the number one job of coaches right now is to, as much as, there's there's two components to it. There's the physical side, right, of getting guys physically prepared. But I think you you touched on something important, which is that the mental side is the more important part of this really. Right. Because you got to keep guys motivated and sharp and getting ready to, uh, you know, be expected for a season to start, who knows when, right? Um, so I think the mental preparation part is absolutely critical for these coaches. And I, I can touch on the Cal side and that head coach, Mark Fox, one of the things he's, he's known for doing a good job of his player development, developing guys and keeping his guys uh, engaged and ready. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's something that he's looking to do. And I think other t- other coaches, if they want to have similar su- have success as well, they're going to have to have their guys mentally prepared, Uh The mental side is probably the most important part of this, for sure.
1: Definitely. Well,
2: and and he inherited such
0: a just beaten down program. I can't recall the previous head coach, but uh, I just didn't have a real high uh, regard for him. And thinking of – just kind of thinking out loud here, for instance, seniors in high school this year, you know, if you're a football player right now, you're not going to be able to play. This is your year to get a scholarship incoming freshman to Cal, you know, they don't get the preseason camps and a lot of things that they normally don't. Maybe a junior or senior at Cal who's thinking about going pro after this year, this, you know, they're not going to be able to show off their wares if they don't have a season. You got to feel for these high school and college athletes because they're not getting paid. And yet they're looking to get paid with high school with a scholarship uh, college kids with a pro contract. I mean, what, what's your feeling? Have you talked to many of the players of, uh, are they disappointed that uh, a lot of this is going down or no?
2: Yeah, no, they're very disappointed. Um, you know, <clears throat> uh, that's it. They're just disappointed. Um, I think, you know, uh, but the sing I think the, the group I feel bad for is I think the seniors on both sides of it. You got high school seniors that are looking to have right. one a year of high school. Right. And that's not happening for them. Right. Um, and then obviously for the college seniors as well is like same thing. They lost their season. Um, so yeah, guys are incredibly disappointed. However, I think everyone kind of understands that what's going on and, and why it's needed to be happening in terms of the fact that look, a pandemic is happening and it's a crisis and lives are on the line here. So I think most players, at least from what I've seen, um, understand why it's happening and they're, not fighting it from like a public safety health standpoint, but they're absolutely disappointed. And the thing too is you got and the thing too is a lot of the kids that I get to cover are obviously, you know, elite high school athletes. That's why they're being recruited by schools like Cal or, you know, uh, Oklahoma or whatever the case may be. And so these are kids who I'm in contact with at least are kids that are, you know, looking to run it back for a second state championship, or they lost right. the state championship last year and they're hoping to to get to get some blood and payback and it's like you know for them to think that that might not happen that's a really tough thing for them to deal with yeah well, especially high school that's
0: the most exciting time of your life really do you know anybody your age or kids you're covering that have had COVID? and and if you do you know how was it because kids your age and i remember your age i was i thought i was invincible so I the I, I probably would not have taken it that serious either yeah, oh, it's just like the flu. We'll be fine.
2: Do you know anybody
0: your age or, or younger that's had it?
2: Not personally, no. I don't know anybody person my age who, who's had it. Um, so I really can't speak speak to that. Um, yeah, I just, was I scared. do think what's got be, yeah, what's gotta be a little hard for some of these athletes is to kind of think about the fact that percentage wise, at least, they're a much lower risk of dying right. from the virus. So. I mean that's gotta be kind of a little weird too like why can't we go compete when we're not the ones at risk yes, so, exactly. so it's a, it's a tough thing for to them to deal with absolutely
1: so we're gonna shift gears here uh i want to move over to the nba and you know, i think one of the reasons why is because the playoffs start today and you know she was talking about the nba bubble and you know you were talking about the fact that that might be something that you know the college ranks might want to consider to be able to continue seasons well it's continuing the nba some of the things that we've seen, and I just want to put this out there first and foremost, is I am all for the the, the digital presence of fans in the NBA. I'm <laughs> yeah. for that. I, I think that's amazing. And when they did that, I was like, okay, great. Because the MLB tried to come up with, with cardboard cutouts. And I'm just going, okay, look, you know what? That has to be the most asinine idea that anyone's ever come up with. And to make matters worse, they told people, oh, well, we're going to charge you money. Are you out of your mind? You're going to charge me money so that they can see my mug. sit. I'm not even physically there. Are you out of your mind? Okay, so I see the digital cutouts, not cutouts, excuse me, but the digital pictures at the NBA bubble, and I'm thinking, okay, you know what? That's more acceptable. So what are we seeing with the NBA bubble? We're seeing different things. That's what we're seeing. And one of the things that I thought was very different is the fact that we're seeing multiple games in the course of a day. So if, if, you're, if you're like an NBA, you know, rat rat junkie like me, you're loving this. Shoot, how many games you get to watch today? What would you watch? Uh, I watched
0: two games today. And okay. by the way, we talked earlier, Jalen Brown went off today for the Celtics as they beat the 76ers in game one. So loved him at Cal,
1: Love him in the NBA. Okay. Okay, there you go. Now, I wanted to point out, Donovan Mitchell had like the game of his career today. 57 points. Unfortunately it was in a loss, but man, that's just okay. Ben, your your thoughts on somebody doing that to another team. I mean, come on, 57 point that's amazing.
2: Yeah, so look, I, I'm a Utah Jazz with the team. I grew up as a Utah Jazz fan, so I follow them pretty really, closely. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm family from Utah, so that's that's a connection. Grip watching Stockton and Malone. Okay. And I was a kid, the Warriors just weren't very good. So you right. guys <laughs> are my team. Yeah, look, I mean, I think that, you know, in case of Donovan Mitchell, at least, it's got to be incredibly frustrating to put up that kind of points and and lose, obviously. Um, But, you know, I mean, I I think, you know, that Denver-Utah series is going to be really, really interesting because those two teams, they see each other four times a year on average because they're in the same division, right? And then the Grizz – and then the Nuggets and the Jazz. What's fun with that series, I think, is, you know, you got two teams that are both really eager to – make waves in the Western Conference and, and kind of go up the ranking, so to speak. Uh, teams that people are talking about, I say, hey, you know, maybe one or two years away from winning a title. Um, but I'd say the thing I'm probably most interested in with this bubble is to see if some team can kind of get hot or catch fire. And you mentioned Mitchell for 57. This wasn't in the playoffs, but a couple days ago, Damian Lillard dropped 61 points right. game and went absolutely wild. So I think what I'm really interested to kind of see is to see if some team can kind of get hot a la like, and because there's no home court advantage in this bubble. So I think it creates more possibilities for some upsets. And who knows, you might see some team that's like lower seated, take advantage of the lack of home court advantage and make a run. And, you know, something like a Donovan Mitchell going out, and I know they lost, but some guy kind of going wild and the other team is something that I think we're going to see more of, which should make the playoffs more interesting and exciting.
0: Uh, and I, I've said that we talked earlier in the year uh, Richard that don't sleep on Denver and Utah you know both teams that are tough and uh, you know they play you hard and I think this is kind of what's exciting about this bubble like you said Ben somebody can come out of here with no home court advantage that's huge in the NBA you know so uh, but overall when it first when they first put it together I know I, I said there's no way this is going to work and then Mark Spears Right, so the undefeated was down there. We had him on, and he said he feels safer there than he would anywhere else in the world. So um, you got to give the NBA credit. I think more than any league, they have kind of set the standard of protocol how to make this work and uh, kind of set led the way for team sports at the professional level. Agree?
2: Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that because what I was going to say, too, is the NBA didn't just set the tone for sports. They set the tone for society. It felt like Rudy yeah.
1: Gobert yeah.
2: was positive for, for – set up a domino effect for all of this. As soon as the, the NBA sure. – pausing their season was the first major shoe to drop, the first major domino to fall in all this. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they made the decision to uh, postpone their season due to the virus, that made like society as a whole take this a lot more seriously. So the NBA, you know, and then the NBA, same with the whole Black Lives Matter thing, the, the NBA is just leading out on so many different layers and fronts when it comes to social justice and uh, public awareness for things. So, you know, it goes beyond sports with them. They're impacting society, and it's pretty interesting to see that, I think.
0: Well, the irony of that is Gobert joked about it. Remember in his last interview, he touched all the uh, reporters. Yeah, and that was reporting. He's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I have it, I have it, and then he had it. Yeah. You know, so it was almost like a little parody of it, but yet, like you said, Ben, it made them take it seriously. So well, uh, I, I agree. The NBA has
1: always kind of been up front like that. So, Richard. I'll tell you something, Shu, and, and, and to Ben's point, not so much just the NBA, but really, you've got to tip your hat to the Golden State Warriors. They were really the first team to say, hey, you know what? We're shutting everything down. No, they
0: shut everything down because they sucked. <laughs> <laughs>
1: had nothing to do with the virus. Well okay, well that might have something to do with it. But like, yeah. what I'm saying I'm saying I remember the night yeah, I remember, I remember the night. I cried on
0: that.
1: Yeah, but still I remember the night when they were going to play against Utah and when that when that second person I guess tested positive, that's when they closed down the game and then that's when they moved forward and said, okay, you know what? We're not gonna play. And I'm saying I, I do have to tip my hat to them because I felt like They were really the first, really the first, first domino that tipped everything. A lot of people forget about that. Um, Now, as far as them sucking, it's like, you know what? You ought to lay into you right now. You know I'm a big one. They couldn't wait. I don't appreciate that, that, okay? All right? Look, don't you be talking about my Warriors, man, on my show, man. Don't be doing that, okay? So, anyway, but I I will say this much, that we look at the bubble. We look at everything the NBA has done. Yeah, you're right. You got to tip your to Adam Silver and what those guys are doing over there. It, it, it's an amazing job on their part. And really, when you think about it, the, the world of sports is watching this now because they've, they've seen what they're doing. And now you see other leagues implementing similar type of styles. Uh, 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 soccer has to a certain degree. Um, you see it also in the NHL. They're doing the bubble. Um, and i tell you something. I wouldn't be surprised if NFL tries to implement something similar to it because they're seeing the advantages of it. The fact that they've only had what? I think since the beginning of this month, they've only had maybe two people test positive, which is amazing, okay? So obviously what they're doing is the right thing. And so uh, you have to give them credit where credit's due.
0: Well, there's been a little bit of the problem too at the college level, and Ben, you could probably uh, pipe in here, is the NBA can afford all this testing, all right? Can colleges afford all this testing? I don't think they can. Like you said, with 90 scholarship players in football, you can't test 90 players every day. I mean, what's your thought on that, Ben? How do uh, how do we get around this? Because it's more of a financial burden, I think, for colleges. Number one, they're going to lose that football revenue. Number
2: two, how can they afford
0: to, you know, kind of keep uh, policing 100 different players on scholarships?
2: Yeah, the cost part is definitely a challenge. The only thing I will say is a lot of these schools have pretty uh, – I think it's all about how you can kind of divert, how you can allocate your funds to go to the right thing. But a lot of these schools have like like mega like endowments and like tons of money coming in. And I, I just – the thing I'll say is given all the given all the money that college athletes do make for these schools, and look at some of these endowments or some of these schools, like UC Berkeley is like, like 4 or $5 billion endowment. Stanford's like $27 billion. So, I, I do for kind of the eleven sports. So, and they are. But with like, that, I, that. yeah, so, but I, I just feel like with all that money that these schools have, they're sitting on, they have, uh, the money is there. The question is, can they convince people that are in charge of those funds to allocate in that direction? So, I feel the money's there. It's just a function of convincing people that that's a good use of the funds. And I, I just think that, given the, all that college athletes do for their schools in terms of representation and the fact that they do, as a whole, generate tons of money for the school, uh, You know, this is a time where, where schools can give back to them and give them an opportunity to compete, provided that it's actually feasible in terms of keeping them safe. So, you know, if, if funding testing is the only thing standing in their way and they got everything else figured out, they can at least give it a shot and give it a try.
0: Well, That's I think yeah i think then you got to decide all right which sports you, there's going to be a higher all right football is going to be number one because it makes them most most money then right. probably men's basketball you know so there's going to be down the line sports eh, we don't have money for women's field hockey uh eh, we don't have money for men's volleyball you know so then it becomes a choice and you know hopefully by then we'll have a vaccine and this thing will clear it up by 2021 but and what about uh off season like playing football in the spring you can't ask college athletes to play 30 games in five months. I'm sorry. Number one, number two, would you switch basketball then? Yeah, you know, because it upsets the recruiting process and everything else. I personally would have just taken 2020 off with everything and start back fresh in 2021. What do you think?
2: Um, I think the I think you're probably right that that would have made things a lot simpler. Um. But, you know, the one thing that the NBA did do is, you know, one thing we kind of learned from them is, is that they did adjust their calendar a little bit. And you're, you made a good point with the recruiting that that has, that, you know, kind that's of that, huge. that's huge, right? And that, that makes things complicated. Um, but I, I think that, you know, total cancellation is something you want to, you know, that's a last resort thing if possible. And so right. I think with basketball, I think as far as basketball is concerned, um, I, I think what makes football harder, you, may, you mentioned football. What makes football tougher Is It's such a violent physical game, as, as you obviously know. And so having guys play 30 games in, in five months is just not really feasible. You're right about that. I do feel with basketball, though, it's a little bit more dual because it's not the same level of intensity physically that football is. Right. And, and you can – and the other thing, too, is, is while it wouldn't be I – let's let me roll up basketball for a second, college basketball nobody really cares about the non-conference season anyway. Like, I'm yeah. just being real. Like, nobody really cares about non-conference basketball. I do, but, I'm like, I'm the only guy that does because I write about college basketball. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the only guy that really cares about non-conference basketball and, like, whether well, or not Cal beat, you know, Prairie View A&M or whatever. Yeah, but um, you can ask some interesting matchups out of conference. No, there are. There are. I mean, there definitely are. So, I mean, it's right. not all bad. But I'm just saying as a whole, you know, people don't really tune into college basketball until mm-hmm. March. So, you know, if they if they and conference play doesn't start until like traditionally until like January 1st, January 2nd, January thirty. So, you know, if, if 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 college basketball could have a conference only season that uh, started in January, um uh, that that could work. I mean they they'd be playing twenty pack twelve between twenty instead of thirty games, they're not missing that much. Um so I mean I think from that standpoint, at least for basketball. I think it's smart for basketball to kind of wait this out and look what the NBA is doing and see, is there anything we can learn from this? I mean, one kind of crazy possibility is having some sort of bubble thing in Las Vegas or, or Seattle or something where guys can kind of all bubble in. And since guys are me taking classes online anyway, I mean, it could potentially work with basketball due to the, due to the way courses are operating now online Right. Um, and you could pick some sort of neutral site. Um, maybe you don't want guys in Vegas, but if they do have a bubble and things, you know, there, there's options, there, I think for hoops.
1: So, you know, to your point about, you know, the idea of having a neutral, a neutral zone, you know, we had, you know, Mark J Spears on here as, as you touched on a, a few weeks ago. And he talked about that. He talked about the fact that if we had, in other words, in other words, if, if the NFL really wanted to do that, they could actually do that too. where they had one neutral site, one neutral area. To cover certain regions, you know, of 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 the league. For instance, you have we have what the NFC West. Okay, well, you put the NFC West in the western area. Okay. You have other parts of, of the conferences, and they can be in those areas where they're at. Okay. And now you have all these teams playing just against in those conferences, as you pointed. Um, and yes, you're right. Some of those games, and I'll be honest with you, I watch the NFL, but I gotta be honest with you, when when, you know, the Niners play the Cleveland Browns, I'm probably not gonna watch that game, okay? It's like, why? Well, it's Cleveland, dude, I could care less. It's, you know, I don't really care about that, that, that matchup. Um, now, when the Niners play the Seahawks, okay, now that is gonna catch my interest. Why? First of all, it's the Seahawks. Second of all, it's the NFC West, okay? And we know the Niners and Seahawks have been battling pretty hard for the last, what, three to five seasons. So that, that piques my interest. So, you know, if we did this whole conference thing, if we did it where it's more strategic in a certain area, I think to your point, I, I think that's something, as Mark J. Spears had pointed out, ESPN, I think it could work because you have, you don't have all that heavy traveling back and forth. You don't have all the heavy interaction and you got guys that are playing really in the conference that they really want to play it anyway. Okay. Because I'm telling you, ask anybody in the NFC West, they'll tell you today, no, would you rather play guys in your own conference? Yes, they would. It's like, why, first of all, the NFC West is probably the most competitive conference out there in the NFL. Everybody knows that. So, you know, it, it's it's something that, that, that could, could be possibly done. And, and speaking to the NFL, nice segue, okay. So we go over to the NFL and take a look at the fact that we had a very detrimental situation take place today. Mike and I talked about it earlier. Jalen Hurd, who has been considered a deep prospect by San Francisco, Last season, he couldn't play because of an injury. He's in practice this week, another major injury, torn ACL. So he's gone down. And this is the second year where th- these guys were thinking this guy was going to bring some excitement to the receiving core. And now all of a sudden, we're in a second straight year where this guy is injured. And so you got to ask yourself you look at the, 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 the prospect they picked up in Brandon Ayuk, this is obviously an opportunity for him. But in the back of your mind, you got to be asking yourself. As, as, as a, a GM, you, you recruited this guy, you know, you signed him, and, and nothing nothing's come out of it. What do you think? Uh, who are you asking? <laughs> Whoever, whoever's ready to respond. All right, uh, it's unfortunate for Jalen.
0: I'll just say that. He's got all kind of skill. He was a running back in Tennessee for three years. Mm. And he was their workhorse. So he took a pounding in the SEC, which is like the NFL light, uh, for three years. So has that caught up with him or was he just unlucky? I've seen it. Every team has these guys. And, uh, yeah, we were all looking forward to it. But now all of a sudden with Debo down, Jalen Hurd out all of a sudden the Niners young receiving core is not looking that good, you know, so they've, they've picked up a couple of veteran players. And, uh, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah. We all would have loved to see him and I haven't seen the result yet, but it looks like it's a torn ACL and running against the air. But Jared McKinnon did it two years ago. Last play of practice, you made a cut on the AstroTurf, blew his knee out. So he missed two years in a row. So they've been unlucky with a couple of these uh, signings, but, uh, yeah, you know, that's just force. you know you hope it doesn't happen to you, but uh, uh, yeah, it's just very unlucky for him. I'll just say that.
1: Okay, now let me ask you something, Ben, do you think with Jalen Hurd going down, because this is a, a question we've been we've been running back and forth on this show the last couple of weeks, and I, I asked last week, I think somebody brought up the week before, I'm gonna bring it up again because Hurd is obviously not going to play. Uh, she just talked about the fact that the receiving course is, is issued. What do you think about the prospect of them bringing in Tony Brown to San Francisco?
2: I mean, look, I think for the 49ers, I mean, obviously once you start once you start losing bodies, um, you know, you pretty much how should I say this? Um, I mean, t- teams in desperate situations will make desperate moves, right? And you're looking for bodies at that point. So maybe some maybe bringing in some sort of veteran presence like that uh, can be can be warranted. So, you know, I'm not as much of a football guy, um, but obviously, you know, I think if you're a team at the Niners, I mean, you lose guys, all options are always on the table, whether that's basketball, baseball, football, whatever, all options are on the table. And, um, you know, we see a lot of teams give guys a look. So I think for them, at least, um, I don't really see why they wouldn't. Um, And and just kind of quickly touching on like, terms of like the risk of being a GM, you know, it's gotta just be so difficult to, you know, put your faith in a guy or hope a guy pans out and then have something like that happen, right? I mean, it's just really difficult. And I think what's really hard, too, is, is what do you do when a guy that you think can really help your team win goes down? Do you give them that second chance, you know, in terms of, like, rehab and being patient with them? It's a it's a really difficult thing. I think with football, what's particularly tough is these guys have such short shelf lives that when a guy goes down, you have a hard time thinking it's it's harder to have faith that they can can come back. So just really unfortunate situation.
0: Well, I think with Jalen Hurt and Trent Taylor, same thing. Trent missed two years and other wide receivers. So you got one more year probably, and then they'll turn the page on all of them. So I'll tell you what, Ben, we really appreciate uh, appreciate your time and uh, kind of catching us up over there on the Cal campus. And uh, good luck to you in your career. I know you're just getting started. You're with Rivals.com if you want to read Ben Parker.
1: And uh, good luck to the Bears this year. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And this has been Game Face. And this is on the Believe Talent Network. Ben Parker, Frivers.com on with us today. Mike Dishu Schumann, always here with us. And I am Richard the Razor Ewing. And if you wanna check in with us next week, you can. But just remember, when you come on, you better have your Game Face on. <laughs>